0: So, just uh, please eat the fish and spit out the bones. All right. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you a little bit about staying encouraged, though, in trying times, because I think it's important. Can you hear me, okay, Mr? Norman? Okay. I want to start by saying that God, God is love. And we've been talking a lot about the, the fruit of the Spirit, which is the character of God, which is in us once we've received the Lord as our Savior. But how it's in our spirit, and we have to work it out and to strengthen it, just like a muscle. Just all the peace, love, and joy, and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, they have to be practiced and strengthened in our own lives. But they are there and the Lord will support us and come alongside us in those things as we walk in agreement with him and make up our mind because it's not a feeling always, you see. All of the character of God that he calls us to walk in many times just involves us resolving to choose that instead of the opposing emotional thing that we may be going through in our soulish realm which may or may not be of God, you see. It helps people to know that most times. When I tell them that love is not a feeling. That's what the world thinks. Love's a choice. You know. But people are confused about God. And because they're confused about the Bible. And that's why they're confused about God. And so what they... All they see between Malachi and Matthew is a blank page. And they don't understand the difference, the huge difference in the covenants and what Jesus accomplished to bring on this new age. For 1500 years prior to Jesus was the law. From the time Jesus ascended, we're in the church age of grace and truth. And it'll be like that. Nothing else is going to change. God has not changed his mind. He will not change his way until Jesus returns. Amen? Amen. But I want to tell you, people mix the two. And Jesus described this. He used parables to describe things. But he says it's like putting new wine into an old wineskin. Well, an old wineskin would be brittle and hardened, that old wine. That old wine sack would get hard and then if you put the new wine in there, it would begin to ferment and expand and it would shatter that old wine skin and they both would be lost, you see. He said you can't mix them. He's talking about the old and the new covenants. We can learn a, a, a whole lot from the old covenant. God says that every minister who's raised up for him will be like Someone bringing from the old and the new. And that's what he's talking about. So that's why I use scriptures from both. But there's a difference. And if you're not looking at life, at, at the church, at Christianity through the lens, the new lenses of the new covenant of the church age, after what Jesus has accomplished through the atonement of, on the cross, then you will miss it. And you will form all sorts of wrong-minded opinions and things because it is not within man to direct his own steps. Said Jeremiah. I think it's 10.23. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But it's in there somewhere. I think that's it. It's not within man to direct his own steps. In other words, we'll foul it up every time. Because what you sing... It's like some of the things I mentioned to you this morning. Those people believe what they believe. They do not think that they are wrong. But if they understood this and understood it through the new lenses of grace and truth. That's why this is called Grace and Truth Church. Because grace without truth, God's truth will just lead you into all sorts of lasciviousness and craziness. And there's a lot of the church just preaching that. And then because of it, they've had to exclude large portions of this Bible to make it fit their lifestyle. And then a man will come up here and preach a 15-minute message guaranteed not to offend, But God told me, don't ever lower my standards to suit your lifestyle. If you're not quite there yet, preach it anyway. And you can all come up together. (laughs) Humble yourself. Yes, sir. But you know, God never meant... What people's mindsets are legalistic... Even the people that are out there doing crazy things, because what they've informed in their mind is what's right and wrong, and what and what's wrong, they figured out how they, they that it should be dealt with. And so now, a huge majority—or not a majority, believe me—but a huge portion of the people in this nation have decided that they are the ones who are morally and socially and world view correct and they're not because they don't have a biblical world, world view and this globalism and I mean we have a whole museum the fake science museum in Washington D.C. <laughs> but none of that stuff is of God it doesn't withstand the litmus test you see God has an opinion about everything and his opinion is makes it truth and the truth is what will set us free amen Amen. but you know he never wanted people to be legalistic minded judgment minded confused about that and to be even sin conscious he don't want you walking around thinking about how unworthy you are all the time let me just use an example adam and eve were in the garden of eden He created them. He walked with them in the cool of the day. They were great friends. And they had everything they needed. They worked the garden. He gave them work to do. It was wonderful. Then they allowed sin to come in. so corruption entered into the seed of mankind. He kicked them out of the garden. And put two angels there to keep them out. Because... Not because he hated them, but because they couldn't live forever anymore. Because they were fallen. They were had sin nature now. They had agreed with Satan and given him the authority that God had given them. And so if they would have stayed in the Garden of Eden, they would have eaten of the tree of life and lived forever. And he couldn't allow that with sin and corruption. And so... But he didn't just stop dealing with them. He was kind to them. He dealt with them. They lived for hundreds of years. Nobody told them they were supposed to get sick and die like all our commercials do. (laughs) The point is, he really didn't want them to be sin conscious, to be condemned, and to... To walk around like that. So it was a couple thousand years before he introduced the law at Mount Sinai. He didn't want them to be sin conscious. But the problem is, people had waxed cold in their hearts toward God. See, he gave us all a conscience that tells us right and wrong. The Bible talks about, look in Romans chapter 1, he talks about the fact that we all know God. Some on some level, I look at Randy, and I'm sure he's heard the story many times, and probably maybe witnessed it. I don't know, but there are no atheists in foxholes, I hear. <laughs> My friend Andrew Womack says, "Man, when he was in Vietnam, and he was, and they were up on a this little this little hill where we had our our camps, and they'd fly him in. He was a chaplain's assistant, but the chaplain was." terrified I guess and so he was pretty much it and they were supposed to die they were surrounded they had like 700 mortar bombs in this radius whatever size that little camp was on that hill not big for that many kind of bombs and he he says I remember seeing them I could see the flash of their barrels you know and he says wow Lord I might meet you today that's awesome And he said he was praying for both sides. Not to win, but praying for their souls, you know. But he says all those men that had been so, you know, they went over there. And some of them just, they didn't know the Lord. And they went a little crazy. You know, drinking and drugs and everything you can imagine. And making fun of him and so forth and so on. But those same same ones would come to him. Or they'd be hollering, oh, Jesus, help me. But God, it did it. God did introduce the law, didn't he? He engraved it on tablets of stone. He gave us ten. The Hebrews came up with 600 and something more. <laughs> but that was never meant for us. He did it to curtail sin until he could make a way for us back to him through Christ. And he did it to shut people's mouths. A lot of people were self-righteous. They were doing like people are doing today, and they think they had figured it all out. And they were like, well, as long as I'm better than this guy or that guy, I'm okay with God. As long as I'm better than the Christian hypocrite that lives next door, then I'll be fine. You see? Just like I tell you about old Gandhi. He was going to go be a Christian. They wouldn't let him in the church. And his testimony after that was always, I would have been a Christian, but then I met one. We don't want that to be our testimony. We want people to read our lives like a walking, talking Bible. A mini Jesus. Say, man, I don't know what that guy has, but I want it. You know. That should be our testimony. But people had waxed cold to right and wrong. And so he had to do something. And they were saying, oh, we'll do that. Even at Mount Sinai, after he had brought them up out of Egypt, they put some demands on. They said, whatever, everything God said, we'll do it. And he said, all right then, here it is. And he wrote it down. They talked themselves right into a bunch of burdens. But that's really not what God wanted. He wanted to shut every mouth who was bragging and coming to him in their own justification. You see? Jesus tells a parable about this this, uh, this man who went to God to, to pray and then this, this Pharisee who was a, one of the religious leaders of the day and he looks over at this this sinner over here and he says, Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like this sinner over here. I i tithe and even of my mint and cumin in the garden and i do this and i pray and so forth and so on and he left the laundry list of all the wonderful things about himself he said the publican over here he he couldn't even lift his eyes up to god he beat him ch- his chest and said oh, forgive me lord i'm just a sinner jesus said that man went away justified and the other one didn't hello yep. that's our god you see the people that beat Jesus blasted in here, it was always the hypocrites, always the self righteous, always those. Not ever a true. He never embraced sin or told anybody it was okay. He would tell them, you know, you're forgiven, now go and don't sin anymore. Otherwise, something worse is going to happen to you. He didn't say he was going to do something worse. It's because it's not him that's doing it. The reason the the Old Covenant doesn't talk about the devil a lot is because there wasn't anything they could do about it except agree with God and go and do what he had said. Now we've been given authority over the works of the enemy. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, I'm not the one who's doing all this bad stuff. He says, it's the devil that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly to the full. That's good news, folks. <laughs> Matthew twenty four twelve says in the end times well let me just read that to you because I want you to understand what's going on. So understand that we understand the times. We don't know the time or the hour that Jesus is returning, but we can understand the times in which we live. He talked about them at length, and so did Paul in the epistles. But Matthew twenty four twelve says You know, I'm going to back up a little bit. Verse 10, And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Verse 12, And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold or wax cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. But because of lawlessness, the love of many will wax cold. You know where they get that term from taking a string and dipping it into wax. Letting it dry. Doing it against how they used to make candles. (laughs) And it doesn't happen all at once, you see. You have to reject God because he's always trying to reach you. He's always whispering in your ear, why don't you trust in me? You know right from wrong. You know that's not right. And then certain things we just make up our mind, ah, heck with it, I'm going for it. And we reject him so long that we wax cold in our hearts regarding that truth or that thing or whatever it is. People that live lifestyles that are directly opposed to, to God. And, to do, and do things that destroy themselves and harm others. They didn't just think that was okay in the beginning. Now they might argue it up and down with you. Because you know what they went and they found? They found teachers that would tell them what they wanted to hear. What their itching ears were dying to hear. And they, they, now they've surrounded themselves with people that make them feel better about whatever thing they've chosen. And in whatever portion of the Bible that disputes what they've agreed with, they just get rid of that. And they just... They have to take 2 Timothy 3.16 which says all scripture is God breathed and given by inspiration of God. They have to tear that one out because otherwise they wouldn't be able to say this is just an old book written by white men. It's It's irrelevant now about God or what they thought about God. That's what they want you to believe. It's what the devil wants you to believe. You battle not against flesh and blood. It's against the devil and all the spiritual forces of darkness that are some of them are here in this room right now. And so are angels of God just like we just sang about. And you know what? They're both waiting for you to empower one or the other. You are the creative being that God created in his own image. Your words are forming your today and your tomorrow. And they're all in seed form. Everything in the kingdom of God is just like a seed. That's why Jesus uses so many parables about farming. Because it's something people would understand. We have a God. We have, you know, all the science in the whole world, they, they can never create a, a blade of grass. They might create something that looks like it and tastes like it, but it can never make another blade of grass. In other words, words, a scientist might be able to tell me how many seeds are in an apple. But until they can tell me how many apples are in a seed, I'm going to listen to God. (laughs) God, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56... He said that the law actually strengthens sin. It actually strengthens sin. In other words, like, you heard this story I might have told before about these kids that walk past this, down this same block to go to school every day, back and forth. They've lived there their whole lives. They walk past it ten times a week going back and forth to school. And they've never done anything wrong. Until this man goes out and lives in the yellow house in the middle of the block. And he says, do not throw rocks at this yellow house. And he put a sign in the yard. At the end of that week, he didn't have a single pane of glass left in that house. The law strengthens sin. You tell me, do not do this. And say, by God, I will. I don't know what it is. (laughs) Lord. Lord, I pray that's not the truth with us. <laughs> but it said that the law actually strengthens sin. In other, why would God allow that if He gave this? And it's also called the law is the ministry of sin and death. We were already dead in our sin, you see, and trespasses. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the free gift of God is salvation in Christ Jesus. So don't worry about that. But the point is, we were already dead in our sins and trespasses. And he had people walking around talking about how wonderful they were. Comparing themselves amongst themselves. And the Bible says anybody that does that is not wise. Jesus said, you won't compare yourself to someone? Use me. Use me. Because for 1,500 years under the law, nobody was able to achieve the level that he did and win their salvation back. So he came and did it himself. And you know, you got preachers standing up there telling that uh, Christianity is just one of the ways to God and all these other people that love God in their own way and and call Him whatever they want. They're all fine too. My Bible says there's one mediator between God and man. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, apart from me, nobody, nobody's going to get to the Father except through me. Why would He step down from His throne and come down here and be treated the way He was and die a merciless death on our behalf just to be one of the ways? Now... Knowing that God took his only child that he loved so much, he'd been with for all eternity, he watched him create this whole world and love so much, that God offered him up as a sacrifice, gladly doing it because he saw a family in his future, knowing how much we would hurt him along the way. Why would he do that just to for him to be one of the ways? Psh- Give me a break. Now, can you understand based on that why God should be offended a little bit for those who oppose Jesus and just think they're good enough to do it on their own? I mean, come on. It just doesn't even make sense. <laughs> I have so many things that I would love to share. I want to just tell you, though, before I. Run out of time and don't get to it. Because when I was being opposed by this... I don't even like to, to mention black and white. And that's what I told my black preacher friend who was opposing me and telling me that we're all going to hell uh, this week. I said, you know... I said, here's here's how I see it. We, we see things differently. I, I see it based on the Bible. I see one race... The human race. And I see the race that we're all in, which is the race to the, for the crown. Amen. Amen. And I see the Bible says there is no more slave or free, man or woman, Scythian or free. You know, it's all about there is no more division. God Jesus came to create one new man. And I believe, I told him, I said, I believe that Martin Luther King's dream has arrived and then they keep that, that wasn't enough. We gotten to the place where 99.8% of the people they do judge people by the content of their character. I don't know anybody who who just blatantly rules somebody out because of the color of their skin. They wait till they talk a little bit. And I do that for any man. I don't care what what nationality or color they are, but I ain't going to give them privilege because of the nationality or color either. Martin Luther King was a Republican, by the way. And so is Alveda King, his niece. And she is a woman full of the Spirit of God and love and peace. And that's the way it should be. Denzel Washington, one of my favorite actors, he's got it right. And that's what I told this minister this week. I said, you know what I see? I see a crooked cop murdered a man in the street. And he should be accountable for it. And anybody who was complicit in it, they should too. And anything they want to do to investigate and to put new things in place, good. I'm all for it. And so is the president, by the way. Prison reform, all that, he's been willing the whole time. And he's done more than any other president in the past 50 years to facilitate some of those changes. I said, but you know what else I see? I see another man, a criminal who was looting a business, killed a retired policeman, 77 years old, who was trying to defend that business. And he should be, and everyone involved in that should be punished. I said, but do you understand the difference in our stories? I didn't say black or white one time. One man did this, another man did that. They both need to be dealt with. And when that becomes the policy of everyone, then there won't be a problem. When you keep making race the issue, race is always going to be the issue. God hates racism. You see that in Numbers chapter 12. when uh, Moses, his, his sister Miriam and, and his brother Aaron, they opposed him. This is really more about opposing God's appointed leadership. But they opposed him. The reason they opposed him is they started talking about him behind his back because of his wife. She was black. She was a Cushite. And Miriam didn't like it. And You can just imagine the talk and the rhetoric. And God got mad and he put leprosy on her. <laughs> and right when Aaron saw that, he knew something was coming to him and he started crying out to God. And then Moses went and interceded for them. And she was only punished for a week and then she was alright. <laughs> but let me tell you, that's not how God is doing things anymore. You see? This preacher I'm talking about, and I love him, God bless him, I told him I love you. I said, and I, I don't want any problems with you and hopefully whatever is lacking in either one of us God will show us and help us and I wish all the best for you and I pray that you do for me as well calling me names and stuff you know I don't care and and in fact I don't want to hear about it anymore I'm not going to hear about it anymore you know I'll tell y'all if somebody's running me down out there don't even come tell me I don't care they're going to (laughs) I love them anyway I want not keep on loving them, so don't tell me the stuff they're saying, so I have to go, go pray and repent and all that, too. <laughs> but I asked God, I said, Lord, I don't want to just talk. I'm not going to go back and forth. I said, what? Tell me, show me what's going on here, you know? I was at work, and I all day. Uh, praying like I typically do. And he kept showing me. I saw him over and over again that day, standing there. Pilate, Pontius Pilate was there. I saw Jesus standing there and the crowd hollering, Give us Barabbas! Give us Barabbas! It was that one day of the year where the Roman ruler would release a prisoner just to show good will toward the Hebrews from prison. And he, he, his idea, Pilate didn't want to prosecute him. He, he should let him go. Because he'll have to answer that. But he knew he was innocent. He said, let me, you want me to let this man go? Nope. Give us Barabbas. Barabbas was a murderer and an insurrectionist, a rioter. And Jesus said, that's that's all. That's all they're doing. They're rejecting me in, in favor of the world, in favor of anarchy, in favor of murder, in favor of law, lawlessness and disorder. He showed me that over and over. In other words, first of all, the big point is it should be about him always, not about us. And he said that's what he sees. He's, he remembers it very well that day. And he sees it again now. They're rejecting God in favor of whatever, they've cre- whatever God they've created. And there's a large part of the body of Christ that has created a God of their imagination. Believe that. And that's idolatry. I said, why, Lord? And he gave me Hebrews ten, twelve, fifteen, And I want to read that. And this is what I shared with that other minister, and it enraged him. Hebrews, way back in the back, before you get to James. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it many become defiled. A root of bitterness. And I told this man and I've told people for years. You show me someone that believes that way. You show me someone that believes in this... Where everything's okay, no matter what you choose that is offensive to God, according to this word, this globalism, this, this craziness, this, uh, this ideology of this utopia on earth apart from God, and I'll show you someone who is wrong minded, you show me someone that says it's okay, to support the number one cause of death in the world, which is abortion. And to, to go against what God has called marriage between a man and a woman. You know, you got somebody that married a train station and people marrying animals and all kind of craziness now. It was just a matter of time. I'll show you someone with a bitter root. You show me a race baiter out there stirring people up with hatred and violence, and I'll show you someone who even though they may call themselves a godly person, they are inspired or their vision is distorted and corrupted because they're looking through the lens of bitterness and unforgiveness, and until they repent of that, they're never going to be blessed in the grace of God which in, in which we now stand. It's just the truth. It's the truth. And I can talk to that person for five minutes and if they'll be honest with me, I'll show them. And I'm not any better than anybody else. And I stay before the Lord saying, Lord, even when, when I have feelings rise up that are not really godly, I say, Lord, that is not my choice. I reject that feeling. And that thought in the name of Jesus and Holy Spirit I choose love I choose forgiveness I choose peace love and joy That's my choice and I reject that lying emotion That's the best you can do sometimes until until it does, until it is a feeling you just make it a choice Amen yes. Bitterness and unforgiveness But God didn't want us walking around under the law. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. I don't want to take a lot of time looking all these up. So I just said that uh, if if I mismatched a couple of words, believe me, that's what it says. I know it very well. Therefore there is now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God, you are in the Spirit. But you have a choice to walk after it or in agreement with the Word of God. Walking after the Spirit is simply walking in agreement with God. And if you find some area in which you don't, just repent. And all that means, it doesn't mean go beat yourself and crawl on the ground and grovel before people, which is idolatry as well. By the way, my goodness, it just means change your mind. Turn around regarding the thing you were misinformed or or thinking wrong about the ways and things of God. Agree with Him and just get after it. Lord, I'm sorry. I dropped the ball right there. Now I got it. Let's go. And that's the last He wants to hear about it. That is... That is the last he wants to hear about it. But he is not into victimhood. We are not victims. If we have Christ, all the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen for you. And that's what I told this man. I said, you know who I'm against? I'm against anybody who holds people down and lets them continue to perpetuate this Uh, victimhood and this entitlement and this bitterness and unforgiveness thinking that it's going to bring about the change that they want because nothing's going to bring about the change they want in their life until they agree with God and they believe the promises of God and the things that God has said about them and begin to speak it and believe it and watch what God will do. I don't care who you are, what color you are, what gender you are, what what mom and daddy and them did, you know? If you find yourself in a situation where you see the the problem with the the later you agree with God on something the harder it is to undo sometimes. I know people that I grew up with and I love so much and I pray for every day, but they have built their lives around a lie. And now their heart are wax so cold. Everything they built was built on the sand instead of on the rock, you see. And they look and they might from time to time, because I know every time I pray the Holy Spirit is going to send someone or something into their path to remind them. And they have to really just keep. But what they do is they go, well, Lord. And then they look around and they but I would lose all this. I would lose everything that I built my life around. Do it. Do it. Why is there therefore now no condemnation? That's how Romans 8 starts off for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because he doesn't want us walking around sin conscious. It says so in Hebrews. You know what condemnation is about? It it comes from the root word condemned, right? You ever seen a sign on a building that says condemned? Condemned. It means it's not fit for use. It's no good. It's worthless. Condemnation's from the devil, not from God. He don't want you to think that. And it comes from the law. Because we'll think we're doing great, and then we'll go look at these ten things hanging on the wall. Thou shalt not do this. Ah, doggone it. There we go. You say, man, what's wrong? Is this guy saying the Ten Commandments is bad? No. Perfect. It's the character of God. But when we started thinking we were all right and really so good on our own, he said, well, really? Take a look. Take a look. You want to see what good is? I'm good. Here's what I am. Oh, crud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe I thought I was good. And then Jesus made it worse. He said, oh, you know the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill? Oh, okay. I didn't didn't kill nobody. You ever been mad enough to kill your brother? Probably. That's murder. Don't commit adultery. Hadn't done it. You ever thought about it? You ever looked at a woman with lust in your eyes? Then you've done it. Really? His disciples said, Oh, Lord, who can be saved? And And then he said, You have to forgive. You have to forgive. I tell you all the time, unforgiveness is not an option for a Christian. Every time you think about holding something against somebody, you just see Jesus hanging there, having taken your death penalty. Never opened his mouth to complain. Not once. You'll forgive. You'll forgive. It's just not an option. But they said... Peter I love Peter he makes me feel better about me sometimes <laughs> But you know we can only make fun so far because, you know Peter was crucified upside down alongside his wife what history tells us not the bible but I believe it He didn't want he told them don't don't crucify me in the same manner you did my lord I'm not worthy He got it right in the end but he said, Lord, how many times we had to forgive our brother in a day? Seven times. You see, he, the law was three. He thought he'd double it and add one for good measure just to impress the Lord. And it didn't work. Jesus said, no, not seven. 777. <laughs> that was just a number. Believe me, it's infinite. And they went, What? And all the things Jesus told them, go out heal the sick, raise the dead, open blind eyes, preach the kingdom of God. They're like, okay, wow. They, even the devil's scared of us. And they didn't, they didn't balk at any of that. He said, forgive as often as you need to. They said, Lord, increase our faith. That's the only time. But let me just show you that the old way is not the new way. Because I'm trying to impress upon you that people have gotten it wrong. Whether they're judging people from the church, or they're judging people from the street, in the church. Whether they're judging us, they're judging anybody. And wanting judgment and condemnation and punishment. Because this preacher told me this week that because white evangelical preachers and churches will not do what God is calling them to do... To make up for what's been done to the black people. That God is using unsaved people to do all this craziness. This came from a minister who's been a minister for almost 50 years now. And that's a lie of the devil. And it's because he never understood the new covenant properly. The Bible tells us that Jesus took away the law of death of sin and death and condemnation. He nailed it to the cross, cross and to make sure we understood what he was talking about, he called it the law engraven in stone, which law some people say, oh well, it's just the ceremonial laws that we're freed from, you see? Those other 600, about if the lizard falls in your pot, you're unclean and all that, you see. But those weren't engraven on stone. It was only the 10. Am I saying, oh, so now it must be it's okay to murder and steal and commit adultery on it? No. Jesus said, if you just live by the Spirit in agreement with the one law that I've given you to love... To love, you will surpass all those laws. They're all encompassed in that. You won't break. If you read down that list, You, if you're really loving someone like you should, you will never break any of those laws, you see. That's right. But Jesus paid for all your sins, past, present, and future. What people are going to be judged for is for rejecting the Son of God in this life. But what they're out there trying to do now is earn salvation. Earn relationship with God. Everything we know in this life is based on our merits, you see. God doesn't want it that way. He wants it based on our faith in Jesus Christ. And out of that faith and trust and thankfulness to Him, our response will be positive. That's, that's all faith is. Our positive response to what Jesus has provided by grace. Amen. Let me just make the examples and then I'm just going to finish here today. Because I only have three more hours of this <laughs> in mind, but I think I'm making a point. I think God is making this point, and that was my last prayer before I got out of the truck. Just close my mouth and say whatever you have for your people, and help them to hear you. But in the old covenant, Elijah—you heard of Elijah—he did some wonderful things. He did some crazy things. One time these opposing army against God's people were out to kill him. And he was having fire come down and consume these soldiers 50 at a time. He came and sent 50 more and he'd zap them too. <laughs> Another time, there was all these prophets of Baal and these other gods, or little G's, right, who were there to oppose him. Hundreds of them. Prophets of Baal. And they had... Brought him out there, and, and uh, they were going to have a contest, I guess, to see whose God was was right. And so he had them build up a big old bonfire, basically. And these other, and he says, uh, "I'll go last, but y'all see if y'all can make your God to burn this up, and and we'll we'll see." They prayed and did their their stuff and they never could. And he, he was just chilling all day and he said, what, what's going on? He said, where's your God? Is he... Oh, it, maybe he's maybe he's taking a nap. Maybe he's tired of taking a nap. He'll be back. You know, and he mocked him a little bit. And then finally it was his turn and he said, now dig a trench around it, fill it with water and then douse everything with water and then put the rocks around here. So nothing. Anyway, he prayed, and, to God, and God came and just, in a consuming fire, just demolished it all, burned it all up, even the stones, lapped up all the water, the, the sticks and the stones. He said, well, that about does it. <laughs> there was a preacher out of Oklahoma, name escapes me right now, but I really think a lot of him, he passed on a few years ago, but he was in Asia one time, and you tend to get a lot of miracles uh, and things and salvation over in places where they, their last chance is God, you see. Here, we're so spoiled that we think, you know, as long as people think they can do things without God, they will try. Anyway, he was over there, and, and they have, you know, they have all sorts of voodoo. They have all sorts of different gods and things that they tra- try to do. And, and anytime you go into one of those countries, these voodoo doctors and stuff will come out and oppose you. I had one one friend that this, this this voodoo guy came out there, he was trying to hold a big big meeting and he had a bunch of people show up and and this uh, voodoo doctor come out there and he started elevating up off the ground to prove that his God was stronger, his power was stronger, right? <laughs> and this preacher's like, Whoa Lord, how do I top that? He said Just use my words, huh? He said Come down from there in the name of Jesus. And then he dropped you to the ground. <laughs> Knocked him out. And he just laid there cold and he just started preaching. And another time, he called a sick people from the audience. They, a lot of people come to get healed. And he called them up. He lined them up on the stage, the ones that could stand. He said, we're going to pray. He said, first I'm going to pray in the name of Buddha. And he prayed in the name of Buddha and told him to be healed. Nothing happened. Then he prayed in the name of Muhammad and he said nothing happened. And then he said and now I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. And he did and every one of them. This is on film by the way. I'll think of his name if y'all want to call me or text me. I'll look it up. And every one of them was healed instantly on the spot. The Lord is fun, But. In Luke 9, 54, and I think I'll end here. This is the new covenant. This is Jesus walking and talking with these disciples for three years, three and a half years. And they had been preaching in different towns and villages and Luke nine fifty four is where I'm going. And uh, they were rejected in this place. Uh, it was a Samaritan village, which the Jews uh, were, were uh, they hated the Samaritans. It was a racial thing. <laughs> they hated them because they were mixed blood, you see. And when they were occupied by foreign forces, these are, there were some of the Jewish people who had intermingled with these foreign folks that had... conquered them and they made up a new race called the Samaritans and the pure blood Jews hated them right anyway Jesus didn't he went he's ministered everybody but he was in a Samaritan village Uh, verse 51 when the days drew near for him to be taken up he set his face to go to Jerusalem I preach on this around Easter when I started talking about getting to know Jesus as a man but he he was resolved in his mind and his heart to accomplish the will of God and nothing was going to stand in his way nevertheless And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. Again, what's that mean? Well, they were Samaritans. He was a Jew. He was going to Jerusalem. They opposed him. It was the racial divide. Anyway, they didn't want Jesus to come there and preach. And when his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Now, why would they say something like that? Because they had the Old Testament. And they had read the prophecies. And they remember what Elijah did. He was a great prophet. And they said, well, I figured the Lord would want us to do the same thing. These people rejected him. Let's just go ahead and kill him. And what did Jesus say? But he turned and rebuked them. And they went on to another village. In another passage of scripture, it says, You know not what manner of spirit you are. In other words that ain't it that ain't right that's not that's not my way that's not the new way John 4:24 Jesus told the woman at the well God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth you are 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, You are spirit, soul, and body. Three-part being. When you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your spirit was renewed. That corrupted seed that entered in in the Garden of Eden that corrupted your your nature and gave you a sin nature, that thing was removed, evicted, cleansed, replaced perfect and holy and sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now you're working on your soulish realm, your mind and will and emotions which have been corrupted by the world until you can come into agreement with your new spirit, which you can't discern with your natural senses. You have to read this and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. And as you do agree, faith to faith to faith, you are becoming more like Jesus. The first born amongst many brothers and sisters. God wanted a family. He planted a seed. His best. His only son. So he could get y'all. And he said it was worth it. If it was just for you. He would have done it. He loves you. But the old way is not the new. It's not about judgment. It's not about condemnation. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. You need to pray. You need to believe. Our acronym for this church is HELP. Heal, empower, love, and prosper the body of Christ. We need to help people with the same help that we have received from the Lord. And help them understand that He is not an angry God. He is not here judging the world. He is not using... Antifa and Black Lives Matter. I put them in the same category as KKK. And if they're not careful, they're all going to hell. And we need Jesus. He's the answer. And he always has been the answer. And he's provided a way. And he loves every one of them. I have other friends who are out there in the midst of the marches and everything with the Bible. There are people holding up signs to kill cops and this and that and the other. And they're holding up their Bibles. And they're saying, Jesus is the only answer to this. And I tell you, Jesus said in the Bible, you think I came to bring peace to the earth? No, I did not. People mistake that because the night he was born, the angel says, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Toward those who will accept Jesus, I'm offering a way back to me. Not peace amongst men. This is not going to happen. God is a wall builder. God is a nation maker. He is not a globalist, one world government God because He has enemies, believe it or not. Enemy states in this world. And would He love for each person, each soul out of every one of those enemy nations to come to Him? Yes, He would. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should repent and come to the knowledge of God in Christ Jesus and accept him as Lord. Amen. But it's not going to happen. We don't know who, but there's a the broad the broad highway to hell is 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 massive and it's busier than our interstates. The pathway to Jesus is narrow. And he said, Only if you find it. But you found it. And others need it. And when they seem hateful and mean and ugly and it's hard to love them, just remember love is not a feeling, it's a choice. And there was a time when you opposed God in your mind and heart too. And don't judge the different variations of how you opposed or how bad you were, how good you were, and how different. I wasn't that bad. That's where, that's where you're going to be alongside them as that hypocrite that God does not approve of, you see. Just remember, we all need God. And we should be thankful that He found us and drew us to Him And we should want that for everybody. Your worst enemy. The one that's done the cruelest, most harmful thing you can imagine to you. The best thing could ever happen to them is that God get a hold of their heart. And change them. We shouldn't want hell for anybody. But we shouldn't stop preaching about hell because it's a real place. I don't preach hellfire and brimstone. Because God does not want us to walk around with a sin conscious. Go read the book of Hebrews, and after today, you'll understand it a lot more. Jesus became the sacrifice, the Lamb of God, who went in and was sacrificed on our behalf, wherein they used to have to go and make a sacrifice, blood sacrifice for everything. Jesus entered in one time, once, for all sin, for all time, for all men. It's not our individual sins that people are going to hell for. It's the rejection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Don't try to earn. I, tell, I have people all the time tell me, "Oh, as soon as I get this right, I just got some things I'm working on. Then I'm going to start going back to church." I say, "Well, you silly guy! Don't take a don't take don't get cleaned up to take a bath. Just come on, man. We're going to love on you. We're going to tell you." We're going to teach you what God has done for you. And when you believe it and start speaking it, and and, and and every time you got a problem, an issue, a concern, you find in there the promise of God pertaining to that and make it for you. Claim it. Speak it. Create an apostolic atmosphere in your home and amongst your friends and in your church and speak the blessings and the provision and the healing and the prosperity and the peace, love, and joy of God over everybody and everything you have in your life and watch the changes begin to take place. But remember, seed, time, and harvest. I don't know any farmers. I got 90 acres of wheat right now that they're grazing out. It's about burned up now, but I got some different crops in there, thankfully, that are still feeding them a little bit. But you know what? When my nephew planted that field for me this year, I didn't didn't expect a crop the next day The law of sowing and reaping is going to be here until God comes back. So, remember, everything's in seed form. Start sowing good seed today. You know, if it weren't for God and for the fact that I know that this is just very temporary. We're only here for a flicker. How many? You know, the older you get, the more you realize that. When you start thinking about everybody you knew and loved and all the ones that are gone. I mean, all the old folks in my life are gone, obviously. But, I mean, I have I have a lot. Of, all my, my brothers gone. My All my cousins. You know, they lived t- rough and tumble lives. And they died early for it. But, not, not any of us. You know, life is fatal. You know, we're not all... Anybody getting out of here alive unless the Lord comes back right now. But, at some point, He's going to call us home. But... He said, "Don't don't worry about storing up things here on this earth. To you know, it's all gonna it's all gonna perish anyway. The only thing that's gonna last when all this is burned up is this. And he said, some of us are going to get into heaven because we've received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But uh, as one having walked through the fire, in other words, our life is going to be tested by fire when we walk in." To heaven and everything that wasn't of God is going to burn up like hay and stubble. And all that's going to be left is the precious things of God. So, sow so some goodness. Sow some love. Sow some peace. Sow something. Sow toward the kingdom of God. And then when you get to heaven, you're going to have riches there. Well, there will be rewards. We're all going to get a crown. You know why? So we can take it off and lay it down at his feet. Lord, thank you for this day and for your precious word. Lord, I hope that we've made some sense out of the things that I've tried to share with your people today. I just ask that you help them to hear clearly what you're trying to say. And that they will embrace it and protect it from the enemy. Don't Don't let him come and steal it with the cares of this this life as soon as they leave this place. Help them to hold on to that seed, to plant it in the garden of their hearts, and to nurture it and allow it to grow up and bear fruit in their lives. We thank you for loving us so much. We thank you for this church age of grace and truth and that there is no condemnation. We don't have to be sin conscious. and. And coming before you and getting everything under the blood every day. You, you you made that sacrifice once and for all. And you love us. Help us to remember to run to you when we have a problem and not from you. Because you love us and you've already paid for everything that we've ever done. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.